You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to The Hero of the Story. I'm Aaron, and with me, of course, is Brian. Hey, everyone. So, Brian, are you ready for another great conversation? I am. I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. We, uh, you know, on our last episode, we started a conversation around your newly released book, Gospel-Centered Kids Ministry, um, and um, I'm looking forward to continuing that conversation yeah. today. Um, in our first episode, in our first part, which you can go back and listen to, and we highly recommend you doing that because we don't want to rehash too, too much, um, um, but... In our first episode of this discussion, we talked about the about the the problem, the big like that you that you've seen. Um, that statistically, what we found is that there are seven out of ten kids who uh, grew up in church who, by the time they go to college, are leaving the church. Some of them are coming back, um, but two of those never do. And so we have a discipleship gap with five. We have, um, but we have warning bells that should be going off every time we hear a statistic like this, because it means that there that there may be something missing in in our church. And there's, so there's an opportunity for us to explore how are we discipling our kids? Because it doesn't start with the last ministry to touch them. It starts at the beginning of. Yeah. Um, of their exploration of the Christian faith, which includes at home. And so how do we as how do we as a church come alongside parents and partner together in discipling children? Yeah, that's right. And so a key piece of that ultimately comes down to um, making sure that they are being immersed in the gospel week in and week out in every interaction, in every opportunity that we have with these kids and as parents as well. Um, and and so that that means that we need to think about it from the perspective of our teaching. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Brian, tell me a little bit about, because I didn't grow up in church. Mm-hmm. So I have, no, I have no kids ministry experience aside from being both a parent and a volunteer in kids ministry. Um, tell me about what that's like, what that was like for you growing up. Yeah, for me, and I think my story is is pretty common. Unfortunately, that I, I grew up, um, I grew up going to, to good churches. Let me just say that very clearly. These, these were churches pastored by by good, godly men who loved Christ, who who loved Scripture, who held to a high regard, high review of Scripture, high view of Scripture. Um, you know, kids, leaders, Sunday school teachers, and so forth, who who equally loved me, loved Christ, loved Scripture. But I also grew up in a context in the 1970s into the 1980s where, man, I, I thought the Old Testament was about learning a little bit about who God was mm-hmm. and how I should live and why he got angry with people and why he'd get angry with me if I lived like a lot of the people I rubbed shoulders with in the Old Testament. And then you came across Jesus in, in the New Testament, the Gospels especially, and then you came to the epistles, and that's mostly, again, well, this is how you live. This is how you're supposed to live, just kind of a, a new lens right. after, after Christ. And so the, the context I learned and I grew up in was hearing the gospel um, on Easter mm-hmm. at VBS mm-hmm. and then hearing basically moralism the rest of the time. 
Um, and and I, I grew up thinking I had to, to be good enough to keep God from being upset with me. And that was a, that was a burden. Um, and I didn't do well at it a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, which is why, again, I almost walked away from the church as, as, a, as a freshman in college um, because I, I, was, I was not positioned for my heart to be enamored with the beauty of the gospel as, as a child and as a teenager. Right. So why is it that we why is it that we tend to tend to go in that direction with kids? Yeah, I think uh, two reasons. One, the, the bigger reason is because uh, again, our, our our hearts are are slanted that way. We we are prone toward moralism, this the sinfulness of of our of ourselves. We. Uh, it just it's just how we're wired right um, we're, it's easier for us yeah. to believe yeah. that that we can we can yeah. earn what can't be earned exactly and and it, it, it takes great humility to understand the gospel that no 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 it, it's not what I can do it's what Christ has done period right and a lot of us just lack that humility again sin sure the other issue that I think that goes into kids ministry especially is we are so used to to trying to change kids behavior we focus on that so often you think about school, no, you sit quietly. No, no, no. Stop talking. Stop. You know, do this. You, you think about all the context where we are trying to control their behavior, and that carries over into the the Sunday school room yeah. or the the small group room, whatever you have. And so, I think that combination naturally lends itself to so many of us lapsing into moralism in kids' ministries. Yeah, absolutely, and so and and that plays into how we um, how we see that how we see certain parts of scripture as being yeah. appropriate or not appropriate too. When we when we need to start and remember that that we're told that all scripture is yeah. profitable, all yeah. scripture is God breathed, yeah. all of it is. Um, is important for us, and all of it works to to train us in 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 righteousness. Yeah. Um, but there are certain stories, um, there are certain passages of scripture that we typically don't teach in kids ministry. Yeah. So some of them there's valid reasons to. Um, so for example, um, the. Uh, immediately, I'm thinking of um, some of the the behavior of David's children <laughs> toward one another. Yeah. So, um, you know, the rape of Tamar. That's what I was thinking. You, you know, go back to. The, I yeah. mean, I mean, that's th- a chapter that's hard. There's yeah. no way to appropriately engage on that in or there's not no easy way yeah. to appropriately i guess is is maybe the the way to say that um because you can engage that yeah. again it's there for a reason <laughs> um, it, it shows it shows but, the sinfulness yeah uh, of humanity but yeah that's a, that that's a, a passage that's really much harder mm-hmm. to bring down to an age appropriate level right yeah. Um, and so, so I mean, obviously, you know, in the Gospel Project, for example, it's probably one that we would that we would never highly doubt it. Yeah, yeah, it would be extremely unlikely unless it's like version seventeen. <laughs> um, it's like, well, we've got to do it. It's Gospel the, it's, Project seventeen it, and the rest. It's literally, it's literally the only chapter we haven't <laughs> covered yet. So, um, <laughs> but uh, but the but I mean, if you think about one that we have covered multiple times. 
now. Um, and in, in fact, at the time of this recording, many churches would have just just addressed this mm-hmm. one, which is Abraham's Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac yeah. in Genesis twenty two. That God calls him to go and and sacrifice this uh, his 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 son, his only son, the son that he loves, the son um, of promise, the son of promise. Um, that and. And it's a hard one because when you look at it, it doesn't make sense. If you just look at it by itself without without the long view of scripture. Yeah. It's a story that's like, I don't understand why this is even here and why even God would why God would even do this. Yeah, and if you don't have the long view of scripture in mind and you're just looking for something that you can teach and readily apply to your kids, there are many other passages that meet those Criterion. Sure. That criterion. So, you know, it's easy to understand how some people would look past a passage like that if they don't have the right lens of, I need to teach my kids the gospel. Because when you understand the gospel, that passage becomes essential. That's why we do it. Yeah. Um, I think it's been in every one of our. Uh, I think it's cycles. one of our. And, it's one of our staples. And I think ones. it probably would be. In Absolutely. Because it's so critical. Well, it's, it's this incredible picture of the gospel. Yes. And. And to anyone who's ever been confused by that passage, you're absolutely right to be confused by Genesis 22. The only way that it makes sense is to understand it in light of in light of God not sparing His Son. Yeah, exactly. So read it in light of read it in light of Luke 23. Read it in light of Matthew 27. Read it in light of John 19 and 20. Then it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense before that. Yeah, and it's okay to be confused by things like that. Yeah. Um, so, um, but the but what we also tend to do is it's not even just that there are, there are passages that we avoid. There are passages that we that we can often sanitize. So, yeah. um, think about think about Noah, for example. I mean, yeah. it is a kids ministry staple. Um, there is no no kids curriculum, no kids storybook, no kids Bible, yeah. no no kids anything that I have ever seen that hasn't touched on it at least once. And yet, the whole passage Genesis six to nine is about God's wrath being poured out on the entire world and literally everybody being killed except. for for a family yep. and a boat full of animals. That doesn't seem like it should be on a flannel graph. Yeah. It, it is it is fascinating that, you know, in Abraham and Isaac, you have a, a, a passage of a loving father who doesn't sacrifice his son, <laughs> and we can't talk about that. But then in the flood, you have a loving father who floods his creation <laughs> and we can talk about that. Yes. Yes. And, and I think the reason why, I mean, when you really think about it that way, it makes no sense. And that's the, that's the tension that we have to understand. How are we picking and choosing these passages? A lot of times we're using the wrong criteria for it. Right. Um, again, we're going for something that's easier, something that, um, that has a clear um, uh, takeaway moral to it. Right. Um, Noah and the ark, it, it's faith. You get, well, you know, just like Noah had faith, that's what we do. We just have faith and we trust and we obey and, and, and we just do it. Um, and we don't get to the beauty of the gospel there 
Um, and that's, you know, that's why that one can be considered. But then yeah. to find the takeaway in Abraham and Isaac, all right, it's, what's the takeaway? <laughs> well, that's the, that's the reason. There is yeah, no takeaway exactly. for us in that exactly. context. Exactly. It's, it's like, if you're looking for the moral takeaway, don't sacrifice yeah, your children. Lay still if you're yeah. Isaac. I mean, <laughs> carry the wood. Carry the wood. No. I mean, really, that's um, the point. There's no yeah. direct takeaway there. The, the direct takeaway is be in awe of the gospel, be in awe of what God has done. As you said, what Abraham did not do, he did. Um, and be in all of that and let that stir deeply into your mind and heart. And then let that be a driving factor in how you live um, each and every day. That, again, so it's, it's our lens by which we are looking at Scripture. Right. And so, um, so, so let's, how, do, how can we as, you know, as, as leaders in our church and as volunteers in our church, how can we be evaluating what we're doing in, yeah. in light of that? Well, and I think this is a good, good question. I think there's two different tracks, and they will diverge for a minute, and then we'll bring it back together. Sure. Because in most children's ministries, you've got either they are writing their own curriculum or they're purchasing curriculum. Uh, if you're writing your own curriculum, and this takes you down the road of, well, what are we doing? Let's make sure we are, are creating it in the way that is best. If you're purchasing curriculum, um, then it's a matter of, are, are we purchasing curriculum that is the best? So then they come back together. So how do right. we evaluate the curriculum? Well, I, I think it starts with some, there, there's some really basic ways you, you can analyze it. First of all, start with understanding whatever publisher created that, what is their win of that resource? What is their vision? What are, what are their values? And if you can't determine that pretty easily, mm-hmm. then that would be a red flag for me. Yeah. Um, that it should be pretty apparent in some way, shape, or form what that <laughs> curriculum's win is intended to be. Right. And so, of course, if you look at that win and it's, hey, we want to make kids good little people. Um there, there's that's troubling. Sure, and I mean, and I mean, of course, you know, of course, we want we want kids to 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 learn how to behave well. There's nothing wrong with yeah. being a well-behaved human being, but that shouldn't be your end goal. No, and why why isn't is another thing. Mm-hmm. Why why do we encourage them to be well-behaved and so forth? So the why behind it, yeah, yeah. That, that's not your end goal. Yeah. So I think first, that's the thing, is try to understand what, what the curriculum provider's theory of behind that curriculum. Another thing we can do is, is simply analyze it. T- take some of the materials and flip through it. Look at the scope and sequence, or mm-hmm. sometimes it's called a session plan. Yep. Uh, you know, whatever the cycle, most of ours is on a three-year cycle, for example. Yeah. So you should be able to look at that three years and look at the sessions covered. Look at what passages are covered and look what is not covered. What does it skip over? I mean, if you let's be absurd, if you purchased a curriculum or interested purchasing curriculum, and they never, never once cover the resurrection of Jesus, that would be a huge problem, wouldn't it? That, You're like, how could you be, not that cover that? That should be a concern. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to be absurd, I mean, if you clearly you would say that that there's a problem there. Yeah. I don't think I should use that curriculum. Well, it's the same conversation we just had. Look for these. Look, are there stories that really drive or draw attention to the sinfulness of humanity? Those are the harder ones, but we need those because you can't understand the beauty of the gospel apart from that. So look at what's covered. Flip through and and see, do do you read the word sin anywhere? 
Mm-hmm. How, you know, do they define sin? Do they, do they explain sin in age-appropriate ways? Um, look for Jesus. Literally, mm-hmm. look for the name Jesus. Is he there, especially in the Old Testament? Look at the Old Testament stories. Yep. If you don't see Jesus' name in the Old Testament stories, that's a problem. Right. Because, again, that's how we should be interpreting all of Scripture, driving toward Christ, because it's all one story of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, l- look at the application in there. Is it, is it, does it feel like behavior modification? What I would do is I would always choose a few of the more common passages, like we are always talking about David and Goliath, for example. Yep. That's when I would turn to. What's their treatment of David and Goliath? Yep. Um, it's kind of like if you're looking at a new Bible translation, you might look at John 3.16 because it's so you know common, and it's an important verse how it's translated. Absolutely. And so you might look at John 3.16 and compare between, I look at David and Goliath. How is that treated? Mm-hmm. Um, for, for one, as an example. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good. That is a good approach. Um, and so, um, so if we are, so we need to. Ev- so yes, we need to evaluate evaluate the criteria that we are using. We need to consider. Um, we need, we need to consider how we how we do that. Um, but then, how does that impact our our leaders? Too. Yeah, I, I think what what we have to just state. Just be clear about it as well. I think a lot of times curriculum is chosen for the absolute wrong reasons. Okay. We, we choose a curriculum because we've heard it's easy to use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's inexpensive. And it's get, cool. It's cool. I've heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. You know what? There's nothing wrong with having some, some cool elements in, in a curriculum. There's nothing at all wrong with having it af- as affordable as we can and, right. and so forth. And there's nothing wrong with something being easy to use yeah, either. Nothing, there's no, but those cannot be the primary factors for why we choose a curriculum. The primary reason must be, are we communicating the gospel through this curriculum or not? It's, it's, we've got to choose something that best helps us to do that. And so... That might mean that we will pass up an easier curriculum, perhaps, mm-hmm. or a cheaper curriculum, perhaps, or a cooler curriculum, perhaps. But here's where it connects to leaders. If I'm a kids pastor, for example, and I am choosing you know, ABC curriculum over here instead of XYZ curriculum that I know my leaders would love, I need to lead with the vision behind that. Here's why. Here's what we're about. Let's remember what we are here for as, as kids leaders. And here's how this curriculum will best help us to do that. I think that you got to lead that way. Um, and, and and again, you you say, hey, look, I I know there might be an easier one out there. I know there might be a cheaper, but this one we believe is the best, and that's what we want. We want to be able to articulate the gospel the best we can to our kids because that's what matters most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on top of that, you're also going to have as you're training as you're as you're introducing whatever you're doing with your leaders. Um, one of the things that's wise to consider there is is maybe not saying, okay, this is just what we're doing. It's it's helping them see to, helping them to be, um, to see where um, maybe they historically have, have taught from and what they, yeah. they potentially grew up with um, to be appropriately dissatisfied with that. Yeah. Because... That's going to be a barrier for them. Um, you want them to see. Um, ultimately, you kind of want them to see see the change as something that that they can own and that they buy into. That almost is their idea. Exactly. Um, exactly. If you know, if that 
you know, at the risk of sounding manipulative, um, cause I, we certainly don't want that, but we want people to, um, we, we, yeah, we want people to, to recognize, um, not recognize and appreciate the, the good parts of where they've been, but also to, but to see, okay, but this is better. Yes. And this has an op. This this helps us yeah. to do what we're really called to do, yeah, which is it, to make disciples. And if if the curriculum that you're changing to is not better, then why are you changing to it? So what you just said should be able to be articulated in some way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it could be a good versus best, or it could be a, a bad versus good. It could be. Um, but yeah, I think that's the conversation of this. This better enables us. This better positions us to be uh, gospel centered in what we're teaching. And mm-hmm. to point our kids week in and week out to the beauty of the gospel, because that is our, again, that's our highest uh, calling. Absolutely. All right. So, um, Brian, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up today's conversation okay. on this. And we will continue again with, uh, continue again in our next episode by looking at the question of what does gospel transformation look like in the life of kids? So, uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation about gospel-centered teaching in kids' ministry. Um, If you are enjoying the show, uh, please do consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more people uh, find it. Um, And if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to address on a future episode of the podcast, uh, please send us an email at thegospelproject at lifeway.com or um, find us on Facebook or Twitter, and we're happy to help however we can. Um, Until next time, I guess we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all Scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.